0: Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC
1: World Service are supported by advertising. In a world where change is constant, it pays to look beyond your borders. The Financial Times offers a global perspective to give you a deeper understanding of international markets and emerging trends. Broaden your horizons and widen your influence. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.
2: Timeless stories, exceptional
1: storytellers. Discover all your favorite BBC radio dramas available to enjoy as audiobooks. John Moffat stars in Poirot's Finest Cases... A collection of gripping, full-cast dramatisations based on the novels by Agatha Christie.
0: And what would be your ideal murder mystery, Poirot? A very simple crime. A crime with
2: no complications. A crime that was unimpassioned and teem. Search for BBC Audio wherever you purchase audiobooks and start listening. Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service. I'm Mubin Azar. And for assignment, I'm reporting from Pakistan, where journalism is under fire. (music) Journalists say they're being assaulted. He immediately took out the magazine of
3: his pistol. Then he started hitting on my elbows with the magazine. It was like
2: I never had such pain in my life. Abducted. What do you know about the people that took you? Everyone knows everything in Pakistan. And killed just for doing their job.
4: I think they have stopped him, they have recognised him, and then they shoot him.
2: Press freedom campaigners say that in 12 months, 140 journalists were threatened or attacked, with some claiming that democracy itself is under fire. Whoever's in power, legal action against journalists in Pakistan is not a new thing. According to the annual World Press Freedom Index, published by Reporters Without Borders, Pakistan currently ranks at number 150 out of 180 countries. I've been hearing from those who say they've been attacked in an effort to silence them. In May 2023, Imran Riaz, one of Pakistan's best-known journalists with millions of followers online, was arrested at Sialkot Airport as he tried to leave the country. The arrest made national headlines and quickly many people drew conclusions about why it happened.
0: In his last speech in February 2023,
2: before his arrest, Imran Riaz criticised the powerful Pakistani military for gagging journalists. He blamed the military for ousting former Prime Minister Imran Khan in April 2022. Many believe it was this speech that got him arrested. It wasn't the first time that the journalist had paid a price for his critique. There were claims in the media that the TV channels that were broadcasting his show were threatened with being taken off air, unless Imran Riaz was silenced. Amidst the firestorm, he resigned. Today, Imran Riaz is no longer in detention. Shall we jump in? Is this your... Yeah, that's my, yeah, one of my okay. Yeah, okay. Please. Thank you. Thanks. I'm with his lawyer, Mia Ali Ishfaq. This Lahore native represents dozens of journalists and social media activists who've been charged with sedition, incitement against state authorities. He's agreed to introduce me to Imran Riaz. En route in his Jeep, he gives me some background on the case. He was charged with multiple charges,
3: one of them which is sedition, causing um, the public excitement against the armed forces. Things like that.
2: In your assessment, are things getting worse for journalists in Pakistan?
3: I don't think in the last 70 plus years in the history of Pakistan, such number of journalists or such number of media persons have been victimized. And at the scale or a level or the penetration with which they have been victimized in the last 18 months. So it's like we can, you know, draw a fair and honest conclusion that maybe there is some state policy... Uh, uh, at some level uh, that have decided to just, you know, I mean, uh, shut up all those voices that are, you know, I mean, coming in dissent against the policies of the government or the state.
2: For 142 days, Imran Riaz was kept in solitary confinement without access to a lawyer. In that time, he lost a third of his body weight. Now he's still in recovery. I've seen Imran Riaz on television many times over the years. He's known for his sharp analysis and electric delivery on live TV. The version of Imran I see today is different. A beard now covers much of the face that Pakistani audiences have seen on their screens. There's a frailty to how he moves. Our meeting is clearly a big deal. He's surrounded by members of his legal team, his brother, and there's even a Baloch tribal leader that's come to hear what he has to say. Imran is warm and hospitable, but seems unsure of himself. He tells me that he's developed a stammer since he was held captive. From
1: the 11th of May to the 25th of September, I was not in this world. I knew nothing about the world, and the world knew nothing about me. During that time, my death was announced four times. I also heard that my parents had been mistreated. I even heard that my funeral prayers had been read. I had no idea what was real in those 142 days. In in that
2: period of 142 days, did you truly believe you'd be free again?
0: Sometimes I thought that uh, this kind of life is more difficult than death. I wish I could be dead. Or
1: it was not easy for me or my family. They are still suffering, and
0: we are facing all the things. Like,
1: I couldn't speak. Seeing me like that would traumatize them. By the grace of God, I have recovered now.
0: Alhamdulillah, I have recovered now. Almost 95 percent, I'm okay with my speaking ability. But still, I have some stammering issues as well.
1: Whenever I think of that time, I find it difficult to speak.
2: What do you know about the people that took you? Everyone knows everything in Pakistan. But you, you have been extremely outspoken for a very long time. So you haven't shied away from any of these subjects. The fact that you effectively were taken away and that there's so many rumors about your treatment, do you not think that sends a warning shot to other journalists? The things
0: happened to me are not justifiable at any forum, anywhere in the world. Other
1: journalists in Pakistan have been threatened. They're given the message that we'll do the same to you that we did to Imran Riaz. Feeling unsafe is nothing new. People asked me if I knew this would happen. I said yes, but I never knew it would be so extreme.
2: There's a difference between the Imran Riaz I've seen and that many Pakistanis have seen on their screens he seems so much more nervous so when it comes to the subject of why he was arrested who it was were these individuals or agents of the state there's a lot of implication but not a lot of explicit information and the most rational reason that i can think of there for him deciding that he doesn't want to share that in this moment is fear Imran Riaz won't name his captors, but the organisation Reporters Without Borders have suggested that the way he was held points to the involvement of military intelligence, or the ISI. Asad Ali Tur is a YouTuber who's been unrepentant in his critique of the military's grip on Pakistani life. He's way less formal than the TV anchors on Pakistan's multiple news channels, There's a childlike hyperactivity in his demeanour. He's excited to be on the front line of new media in Pakistan and has cemented his place in the journalism landscape via his broadcasts. Today, he has more than a quarter of a million followers on X alone. He believes his uncompromising analysis and that huge online following have planted him firmly on the military's radar. Thank you so much for inviting me in, into your home. Thank you
3: for coming.
2: Sir. At his home studio, he brings out his laptop and shows me a video. So, this was captured on the cameras within the apartment block?
3: Yes. They're stepping out of my apartment.
2: And just to be clear, so this guy is. You say he identified himself as being from the ISI?
3: Yes, this guy in the trousers and shirt. Sure.
2: In May 2021, Assad Alidoud was seriously assaulted in his own home. He says one of his attackers claimed to be an officer of the Inter Services Intelligence, or ISI, a powerful branch of the military. A claim we've been unable to verify. Astonishingly, the men Assad Alidoud says attacked him can be seen on CCTV. Were you worried for your life?
3: Yeah, once I thought they are going to execute me was like when they ultimately thrown me on the floor. And then he come in front of me holding a pistol. When he came here and I'm just lying here, at that time I thought, now it's over. Now they're going to execute me. He immediately took out the magazine of his pistol and then he sat on me and then he started hitting on my elbows with the magazine. It was like... I never had such pain in my life.
2: Asad tells me that the attackers got a call and soon after, they fled. He was left bloodied, gagged and bound. In the video, he can be seen limping, still tied up in the communal area of his apartment block as onlookers helped to free him. Then I
3: gathered some strength. Feet were also tired, so I just started walking like this and I came out. When I started making noise, people came, they untied me.
2: He called for help and needed urgent medical attention. But before he went to hospital, there was something he needed to take care of.
3: I said, first we'll go to the CCTV room. We have to make a video. And I was like, I know who tagged me, but I will not speak right now because I know the minute I will take the name, all the evidence will be vanished.
2: After making a copy of the CCTV footage on his phone, Asid headed to the hospital. Can you believe within half an hour
3: it was like three to four hundred journalists were present in the hospital.
2: Why do you think so many journalists did want to cover the story, find out what had happened?
3: Because it was a tipping point. We were consistently getting attacked. The community was so angry that now you are entering in our houses, we are not safe inside our houses.
2: That was the main reaction. Pictures taken that night show Assad's limbs cut and battered there are multiple lacerations and dark, inky bruises. Despite Assad's injuries, his testimony and the CCTV footage now widely seen, two years after the attack, the police have still not identified his attackers. After hearing firsthand about the pressure journalists tell me they're under to tow the government and military line, I reach out to someone who should be able to shed light on what's happening. There's a minister of information He's called Murtaza Salangi, And he himself was a journalist, and in the past he's been an outspoken advocate for journalistic freedom. So I've got a couple of numbers for him, and I'm going to try to set up an interview. Back before he became a minister, Murtaza Salangi spoke publicly in support of Asa Dalitur, pronouncing... There can be nothing more shameful than those institutions charged with keeping us safe to defend us and protect us. They are the very ones endangering us. And those who've committed these serious violations of human rights should be punished, regardless of who they are. We know he's unhappy about a previous interaction with the BBC, so it's unclear how this might go. But shortly after I put in a call, the minister responds and asks that I put my questions in writing seemingly he's ready to talk we'll come back to him later in the program it's a big night in islamabad at the human rights council of pakistan annual awards it's here i first meet Javedia sadiq the widow of journalist Ashad sharif who was killed in kenya in october 2022 she's being honored today for campaigning to bring her husband's killers to justice Hello everyone. It's been a year and a half since Arshad's murder, and we still haven't got justice. Ashad Sharif was an outspoken critic of Pakistan's ruling elite. He openly supported the ousted Prime Minister Imran Khan, who's been in prison since August last year, serving a three-year jail term for corruption and recently receiving further sentences for other charges. He's claimed the numerous cases against him are politically motivated. Ashid Sharif is reported to have received threats to his life as a result of his support for the former prime minister. Fearing an attack, he fled Pakistan and went into hiding in Kenya. A few weeks later, news broke. (laughs) (laughs) Ashid Sharif had been shot in the head at a police roadblock. As-salamu Javeria. It's Mubeen. How are you doing? you okay? I meet Javeria at her family home. Still in mourning, she tells me she spends all her time searching for answers about her husband's death. What do you know at this stage about the circumstances of his death?
4: I think they have stopped him. They have recognised him. And then they shoot him on the instructions as per the got because it's a target killing. I never take it as a mistaken identity.
2: You just used a very particular phrase. You said this was a target killing. Who do you believe ordered that target killing?
4: The people who threatened him in Pakistan. We are going to shoot you in the head. If you are keep exposing the corruption of the ruling elite and the powerful people of Pakistan, they did it.
2: You seem to be suggesting that it is... Agents of the Pakistani state that ordered the killing of your husband.
4: Yes, clearly. Because uh, he was threatened in Pakistan and the same way he was killed in the Kenya. He must be at a good place with God, but I'm at a very miserable place. Without justice, without him. This is not a life which I am living because it is very difficult to lose your loved ones and the violence and to live in the constant fear and the threat. This is not, this is not the life which I am living. So I don't want anyone to go through this. This year, human being, human being. This
2: last year and a half has absolutely killed me. I just don't have the strength anymore. I worry about the rest of my family. This is why, like a coward, I can't tell you who killed my husband. Don't you think I know the names? But I know what will happen to me and my family. I don't want them to pull my fingernails out. I don't want anyone to rape me. Anything can happen to anybody here. Do you have any faith in the judicial system here? Do you believe that there will ultimately be justice for your husband?
4: No, nothing will happen here.
2: Joining the dots in the way that you have, even though you've been extremely cautious, there's an element of danger because you've made it very clear. Why did you choose to speak to me today?
4: To get justice for my husband. This is the only... Because If
2: I keep
0: quiet, who else will speak up for him?
2: Javeria is not just dealing with the grief of losing someone that she loves. There's also a fear there because at one point she said, I don't want to tell you what I know because I'm scared of having my fingernails pulled out. But I think worse than all of that is this idea of not knowing and not being able to hold anyone accountable. The fact is, someone has to know what happened to her husband. And someone needs to be held accountable. Hi, Mubin. How How are you? Nice to see you again. Are you all All right? Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. I'm just waiting for you. Thank you. I meet up once again with Asad Ali He's in good spirits and is even more animated than when we last met. He's going further than speaking out about his experiences with the authorities, He's taking the Inter-Services Intelligence or ISI to court. It will be the first case of its kind and he's invited me along to meet his lawyer. On the way to her office, he explains why he believes this case is about way more than just him.
3: I'm not sure if anybody else has taken the matter to the court. I think they were not prepared that I will come out with a police report and I will report police about this. they They thought that he was beaten and now he will be in scared and he will not name anything and he will be like, oh, I don't know what has happened with me and now I don't want to report.
2: I guess it's part of you pursuing this, the fact that you want to set a precedent, that you want to stop this happening to other journalists.
3: Yes, it has to stop. We have to live in an environment which is not an environment of fear. The rule of fear should end in this country. Hello.
0: Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank Come on, you.
5: I'm how are you? Been. Very nice to meet Hi, you. Hi. Nice are you doing? to meet you. Are you okay? Really nice to
2: meet you. In an apartment block in Islamabad is the office of Assad's lawyer Iman Mazari. This is no regular legal office. The fuchsia walls and huge art collection were curated by Iman's late father. She's from a political family. Her mother was the former minister for human rights in Pakistan. Iman, too, has chosen to focus on human rights in her legal practice. She explains that since 2016, 47 journalists have been charged under the Prevention of Electronic Crime Act. It's a controversial law that many lawyers believe is open to abuse.
5: In the majority of these cases, uh, relating to journalists and their expression, there's never any conviction. And in fact, they're either acquitted or the state withdraws those charges eventually. So the idea is to basically um, force the journalists to uh, I- incur certain costs of mounting a legal defence, a lot of emotional, physical exhaustion. So that's basically the purpose of these cases.
2: The fact that Iman is representing Assad Ali Dur, has made her a target too.
5: There have been death threats, there have been rape threats. This was done at a meeting um, between various law enforcement agencies and someone that I knew informed me that this was a plan that was being made, that if they were able to get me into custody, they would do that because they would want to traumatise me into silence. So this was what was conveyed to me.
2: I imagine it's very difficult to just get out of bed next the next morning and go to work. And not to be constantly looking over your shoulder.
5: God forbid if something were to happen, my family would stand by me, which a lot of women in this country don't have the luxury to say. So I think there's a lot that I'm also grateful for. So I don't let these things really get in my head or affect me. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. You just have to deal with it. The reason why you're in trouble in the first place is because of your work. So you can't stop it because then those who want to obstruct Uh, you carrying out this work succeeds. So you have to be very clear in your mind, yes, there are strategies that you evolve um, to stay alive and uh, to live another day. Um, But I think that overall, you, you continue doing the work that you're doing.
2: After much back and forth, Murtaza Salangi, the Minister for Information and Broadcasting, agreed to an interview and to hear the multiple allegations of journalists being attacked by the authorities But on the day our meeting was scheduled, I got a call from his PA saying there was a problem. The minister did say yes to an interview. He he did say yes, yeah. So that's the issue, you see. The interview was off. After multiple attempts to rearrange the interview with the minister, I decided to ask him directly about the claims I'd heard. I think it's fair to say there'd been an effort to stall and stall and stall again. I received a tip-off about his schedule and decided to track him down. I was told he'd be making an appearance at PTV, the state television station, so the plan was to ask him some questions. To do that, I'd first have to catch up with the minister and make it past his bodyguards. Are you rolling? Yep. Thankfully, on this day, despite there being a throng of ministerial staff and teams from the television station, they did little to get in my way as Minister Salangi, it's Mubin Azar from the BBC. I've been trying to get a hold of you for a few days now. I have been busy. I'm sure you've been very, very busy. Um, I, I want to ask you about press freedom in, in Pakistan. Are you worried about the states interfering with journalists?
0: Uh, if you want to have, uh, if you want to force me for an interview... My... I'm
2: not forcing you. As you know, you know, we've been corresponding for many days I now. I understand,
1: but uh, we have uh, uh, serious trust deficit with the uh, BBC
0: because uh, they have violated...
2: I can the- assure you your interview will be, uh, so, will be treated well, I, I, fairly I, I, and accurately. No, Do you no, think no, the press in Pakistan is being curtailed
0: by interference I of the state? not answer BBC because you have violated basic ethics of journalism. Do you think the military is putting that.
2: pressure on journalists in Pakistan?
0: Well, before I answer your
2: question, you have to defend yourself. Uh, I want to show you this picture of a journalist who says... Okay. He says he was beaten by someone from the intelligence service.
0: Please, Could you please? not
2: act like a paparazzi. I'm asking you. If you, act, when you look at, act, this, act like, act like a BBC journalist. Uh, please don't grab my phone. I'm then, asking you. When you see me. an image like that, and this individual says that he was. I do not answer your question. Sir. Why did you agree to an interview and then, and then pull out?
1: Uh,
2: did I give you a time? Did
3: I
1: give Yes, you a did. Six, six, o'clock, did on you, yes, you did. six o'clock on Wednesday. Yes, you did.
2: Six o'clock on Wednesday. Thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Minister. And just like that, he was gone. It's quite a strange situation when the Minister for Information and Broadcasting, who is meant to be the person that is accountable for the decisions of government when it comes to journalists, essentially saying that he doesn't want to engage in any questions. Is that because he himself doesn't want to respond to these these questions and these very serious allegations? Or is it because there's pressure on him from other sources? We approached the Pakistani government and the military about the allegations. They declined to provide an on-the-record reply. But a security source with the authority to comment
1: told us. All the allegations made by the individuals are absolutely frivolous, baseless and devoid of facts without presenting any evidence. The intent of framing these serious allegations without an iota of any evidence is malicious and unfounded in nature, with the purpose to only defame the institution and its key appointments to mint vested interests. It's ironic and unfortunate that all these made-up allegations are being hurled without presenting any evidence which clearly shows the malaise and mala fide intent of defaming the country's security institutions on behest of a few people.
2: Whatever the outcome of the recent election, there's little optimism amongst journalists about a shift in policy towards the press. Government after government has curtailed press freedom... Threatening the very idea that Pakistan is a democratic nation. Journalists who don't fall in line say they're paying a heavy price in the fight for free
1: speech. In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism, so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. Read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink. Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Timeless stories, exceptional storytellers. Discover all your favorite BBC radio dramas available to enjoy as audiobooks. John Moffat stars in Poirot's Finest Cases, A collection of gripping, full-cast dramatisations based on the novels by Agatha Christie. And what would be your ideal murder mystery, Poirot? A very
2: simple crime. A crime with no complications. A crime that was unimpassioned and teem. Search for BBC Audio wherever you purchase audiobooks and start listening. (laughs)